When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I was a bouncing and a laughing as we rolled down an old dirt road. Daddy looking in his rear view, hoping that we just hang on. What's up, guys? This is episode number 17 of the Always Race Day podcast, back from a slight hiatus. I told you guys we were going to get back on the regular schedule, and uh, this is this is the attempt and where it went. So I was we did, uh, we did the opposite of what we were. Well, gonna uh, we're we're now actually back on it. <laughs> We are. You're yeah, right. We I'll, are. I'll call you Sunday night, and maybe maybe we'll get one up then. If, there we go. If you don't see a podcast on Monday morning of next week, also it will be up Tuesday. Uh, Chris, <laughs> I always head over heels on the signing day thing. That yeah, my entire week. I actually put my uh, credentials into the Chili Bowl a day late, not knowing it. Hey, let's uh, be honest. So I might probably... need to call in a favor if you know anyone who works at the Chili Bowl uh, and tell them I am I'm just a saint and a godsend. Uh, <laughs> a great person uh yeah uh if you could relay that message to him that would be fantastic <laughs> i think know. they'll understand i hope so. it, sa- it literally says last day to turn in december 15th no exceptions and i sent it in on the 16th and said all right i need to find one. i need an exception and i'm reaching out to different journalists that i know people there i've never been there before i don't know who to talk to <laughs> if anyone can help me out with that send me a dm on twitter my messages are open i'll follow you back if you're not there um, you go if you're not a rude person, there you go. We're not cussing three minutes in the episode yet. <laughs> I think it's right, a so, record. So eventful uh, weekend for me. I was in uh, St. Louis with Josh Betts, my good friend. Uh, went to a St. Louis basketball game. Uh, watched them blow a ten point lead to Auburn in the last nine minutes of the game. Yep. Uh, and then I went to a Blues game the day before uh, to see him face my Dallas Stars. I was going to say, did you go to a Stars game or did you go to a Blues game? All right, well, just out of my luck, I went to the last game where the Stars look like absolute crap, and then they, (laughs) for some reason, just turn it on in the next two games after that. You know, hosed Minnesota. For those those that don't follow you on Twitter, especially during racing season, they, they don't understand the jinx that you bring people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's been a common theme. I, so I, I feel like that doesn't qualify to Dallas. If you if you follow me on Twitter, you will see how much of a roller coaster the Stars organization is. <laughs> two years ago, we had the GM call the best two players on the team horseshit midseason, uh, and then we fired the coach in the same year, uh, and then went to the Stanley Cup on a run after the COVID shutdown in the same yep. season. All and that was like that was a pretty tame season as a Dallas fan, I'd say. 
I did want. I, this is why I wanted to save this for the uh, podcast, though. And y'all, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if we went on a bad game or uh, whatever or not. Uh, St. Louis's atmosphere for a regular season game uh, against Dallas was a not better than the Blackhawks Montreal game I went to a year or two ago, uh, and b not better than the Stars Minnesota regular season game I went or not regular season preseason game I went to uh, two and a half years ago I want to say uh, in the Excel. It was really underwhelming. That's your first thing is at the X, it's insane. Hockey in Minnesota obviously is a big deal, as you know, the, the state of hockey and all that. But it when when I was at Waldorf, which is in northern Iowa, we'd get tickets to go to like the Timberwolves or the Twins or yeah, and, they have a in the wild and all that, right? There. That's what I love right. uh, so, about that. We almost went to a T Wolves Lakers game because they're right. like, hey, if you're a student anywhere, you can yep. come get ten dollars yeah, tickets. It's college night, is what they call. It. Actually, me and a buddy did that a couple of times. Ten dollar tickets, and you sit in the upper level. It's awesome. But at Waldorf, what they do for our intramurals is the the intramural director would get us, you know see get us tickets or get an allotment of tickets and then he'd sell them for like five bucks well the wild are the only ones that you had to pay 25 dollars for everything else was five bucks but the <laughs> wild is 25 and he said it's because of high demand so preseason, regular season it doesn't matter those people are nuts about their hockey yeah and i kind of thought i'd get more of an atmosphere like that at a blackhawks game and i i don't know what uh it was. I am a. I will say I'm a sucker for a good entrance song, and I didn't like the blues entrance stuff. Yeah, and they they kind of just played it over for the next two. Then after the next <laughs> two interventions, they kind of just did the same thing, and I'm like, let's have some creativity here, maybe. Right. Like, you know, well, like amp it up for the third period. Like this is the last time they're gonna come out of that tunnel. You know. <laughs> uh, I will. I will. St. Louis. Yeah, and I I will go out and uh, say that the stars are not biggest relevant brand in hockey and <laughs> the stars blues rivalry uh took a hit last year when we didn't play them so yeah. i you know dallas being the opponent absolutely could have played into it <laughs> yeah well that's that's fair we that's need fair. petrangelo to take out one of our rookies legs again there you go people people wonder why i hate alex petrangelo he about killed one of my favorite players <laughs> Don't worry, the Stars will trade them in the next year and a half or two. There you go. It's a cycle with my teams. It, we'll it we'll sounds, get into that with – Sounds uh, accurate. If you've gotten to this far in the episode, you know Nick Yeoman is coming on, IndyCar uh, radio guy. Listened to him a lot last summer. Uh, and we'll talk about the uh, IndyCar app and everything and how I kind of uh, got to following him on Twitter and uh, all that all that good stuff. But biggest uh, news um, probably of the past three weeks – well, there was a lot of big there's, news. In well, the, yeah. There was, but there's two. There's the two big ones I uh, kind of wrote down. Um, I wanted to see if you'd lead into it, but I think Casey Kane going full-time with the World of Outlaws is some of the biggest news the series has had in the past four years. It's it's pretty big news, um, unlike some some people think, but it's, it is pretty big news because a national brand, is, for those people that are kind of new to NASCAR, don't really understand how big Casey Kane really was, right? Oh, he, and he was he was the the guy all the girls scoffed at. It and was he, and the gays. I got to put that in there. I got to be politically <laughs> correct here. He he was 
almost deemed as like the next golden child when he replaced Bill Elliott in that nine car forever ham. And his results happened right away. Like he was, he was, he was good. the Chris Bryant. He was the Connor McDavid. Yeah. Right. Right away. He was good. And even, when, even when he moved, even when he moved to Hendrick, they're like, look at this lineup. You got Jimmy yeah. Johnson, Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Casey and Kane on the Kane. same damn team in NASCAR. Like, that yep. was insane. That was the dream team yep. of everything that you wanted it to be. And it was, like, fresh off that car tomorrow. Exactly. Where they, and they so, thrived with that car. And so people today who just tuned into NASCAR within the last two, three, four years don't truly appreciate what Casey Kane really was. And go go look up Casey Kane commercials from yeah, look up the two thousand yeah, 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 yeah. go go look up some commercials from two thousand nine and two thousand five. I still can't he was doing the had, Mountain Dew. They had him run into a uh fuel fueling station, a gas yes. a gas yes. station and like break the gas station. Yes. Uh, how they knocked down a gas pump. I don't I don't even know the words to describe that one. He he was truly undervalued especially at the end of his career because of how the end of his career ended and so that's why people today don't really understand so when it is big news that the world of outlaws is getting someone like that i mean there's people that post in their promos casey kane is coming to race at our dirt track on a wednesday night yeah yeah absolutely let me let me hit on it from a dirt track perspective and i'll cover uh he's he's gonna be racing the nine car that james mcfadden is moving out of uh, he's moving to Roth Motorsports in the 83. Just uh, in case he's going yeah, to be racing his own uh, number nine car, uh, sponsored by uh, Caravan Trailers and Fuel Me. Um, I just what is describe, Fuel Me? You know? I, yeah, I was just about to describe what it was, and I've already forgotten it. I literally <laughs> read the article at like 10 o'clock, and I yep. forget what I wrote. So uh, anyway, yeah. Um, Go to uh, Always Race there, uh, Casey Kane's press release, uh, and you can kind of... That's what I'm doing right now. I think Damon's, Damon's going to wrap that that part up. But for the for the uh, Dirt fans that don't exactly understand um, why this is a big deal, and, you know, I know, I know the crowd uh, sometimes will go in and, uh, you know, some people will say the homecoming king and queen is just a popularity contest. It's stupid. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But that's kind of how I would describe Casey Kane running the series full time to be. Um, mm-hmm. You have you have a big name here. Me 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 and you and and all you guys out there that watch every race, we can't move the needle up on the world of outlaws. You cannot push the needle up. Yep. Us watching every race, the same we always do, is not doing anything. You know, right. Brad Sweet switching to Tony Stewart motor or Tony Stewart racing. Donnie shots going to Casey Kane racing. That would even be lesser news than this because Casey Kane fans are going to tune in now to see Casey drive full time. Now, Casey just owning a team that, that might get a couple of them interested, but you don't see a ton of Clint Boyer fans glued to their TVs to watch Josh Richards when he was in that car. And he's not in that car next year. It it loses its luster. It loses its luster, right? You know, you've got this Casey Kane owning a sprint car team. That's pretty cool. Well, then three years down the road, it's like, okay, Casey Kane owns a World of Outlaws team that runs regularly. Right. And I know we, we all appreciate that. We all love it. And maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i saying I wish that we could have those guys uh, 
on on dirt vision more but i i honestly don't think the broadcast needs that either i'm not picking a positive or a negative here but mm-hmm. casey kane is a popular name he has fans that will watch him and him racing the full schedule this guy's got 80 chances to get a world of outlaws when i have a side on my yeah. fridge uh that's filled with stickers that i just put my favorite drivers from covering watching everything on casey's right up there yeah, you know, I, exactly. I want to see him win a World of Outlaws race, and now he's got 88 chances to do it, or 80. I, you I, know, I, I think he count, will. And I'm not going to go and try and count it, but I think I think he will. Um, to go back on the fuel me thing real quick, it is a fuel fuel ordering company basically, and they kind of just they're they're kind of like a uh, supplier, I guess is the best way of putting it. How do they how do they ship the fuel? That's a good question. Can I get it in my mailbox? um i don't know are their prices better than come and goes well at this point probably not but especially if you gotta gotta fuel it in and get it in it's hard telling i don't know (laughs) but yeah to to go off the fact of you know the big big name being casey outside of maybe larson and tony stewart what other big name would would really turn that needle in world of outlaws there, there isn't really. Hey, that's is the there? thing. That's the thing. Like Christopher Bell, not not doing the He's same. He's not that effect. big of a name. Yeah. All right. Let's let's debate this real quick, like a minute. Okay. Bigger news for the series would be Casey Kane running it full time in the next season, or Kyle Larson. Larson. You think so? Yeah. I, I think most of the fans are dirt fans. Well, I agree. I don't. I don't disagree with that. But I think the for the bigger news. Yeah, okay. Bigger okay, news. That's fair. That's fair. Is, I'm, I'm just talking awesome. strictly about moving the needle and getting more people into sprint car racing. Um, and, and for the yeah. sprint car fans out there, that is not a bad thing. It is not yeah. bad to grow the sport. I, I, I am think... for you to celebrate bandwagon sprint car fans, much like you would celebrate bandwagon hockey fans that jump on the right. ship. That is fantastic for the sport to get more people into it. Let them watch it for three years. And then they will figure out uh, the ins and outs of it. Hey, you're you are a communications major just like me. And what what's public relations rule? Basically, number one, any publicity is good publicity. And so bad publicity, good publicity, it's all publicity and it's all good because That's you're talking about it. Yeah, right, you're right. talking about it. And so, yes, Casey Kane's a NASCAR dude. Right. But I think his name being in world of outlaws for the foreseeable future is is going to be big will it continue like two years three years down the road probably not but for this next season for this next season it's going to draw more interest and there's the opportunity that the outlaws need to to bring in dirt vision needs to bring in right and and here's i was going to say this is the last thing i'll say but it probably won't be. <laughs> um, I, I do want to specify on Casey versus Kyle um, and who's bringing a bigger fan base into the sport. Mm-hmm. If you're asking me who's a bigger fan base, I'm not going to argue with you if you want if you want to say Larson. I don't honestly know who I would say there. Who has more asphalt racing fans in their sta- – in their uh, what am I trying to say? In their corner. Yeah, yeah, in their corner or stable. There yeah. you go. I got it. Words are coming to me now. It's yeah. it's Casey Kane. So we're exclusively on dirt. 
we want more of those asphalt fans to watch dirt and appreciate both of them. Right. That's, I think that's all we can hope for. I think pre 2021, um, I would be 100% behind what you just stated. I think now what Larson was able to do winning the cup series, I think he's going to draw some of those, those people who are kind of more on the dirt racing is, is, on its own, right? You know, we're right. not. I, we, and we should, I feel, you know what I'm saying? I feel like you're right, but I feel like he's a year or two away from that. I agree. I just think what he did this season, winning the winning the title, I think is going Absolutely. to bring. I think that if he were to make the jump, let let's just say yeah. for hypothetical purposes, it was him making the jump this year. You win a title in 2021 at the highest level of asphalt racing in the United States, and then you go to the world of outlaws you're gonna bring some of those nascar people with you but i think you're right i think he was more a couple years down the road absolutely um oh that yeah the other two things i wanted to say uh the last 20 races of last season with the outlaws damon was the most i've seen casey improve in a sprint car Mm -hmm. over his career and i've watched him race a lot at knoxville he i think he had nine starts uh in 2019 i think he had even more in 2020 i don't if you want to fact check me on that, actually tweet it to me because I'll forget to look it up. I want to look it up. He, he raced in Knoxville a ton um, yep. in that black and orange caravan car. And I think it was caravan. It might have been someone else. Um, but yeah, he improved a ton uh, racing for Roth last year. So I'm really excited to see uh, kind of what he can do there. And especially if you want to watch Casey Kane race next year, buy Dirt Vision. It's awesome. And they're, adding, worth mid- it. they're adding midgets and yep. on-ring sprint cars with the Extreme Outlaw Series uh so a couple of races where we can watch uh, talented midget and non-wing sprint car drivers mm-hmm. uh, race at a very high level, a uh, very professional level, uh, instead of the uh, bing bangers, the bing bongs. <laughs> I did a bing bong reference on that. Oh my goodness! Go. I, 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 I don't like hate. It. I don't hate those. I don't hate those guys either. But you guys know the type of support <laughs> classes I'm talking about. We got four Toyota Camrys from 1998 out there. Uh, oh <laughs> um i guess the other big news i mean one of the other big news is i think if package? you go huh we doing the package well i was gonna do the, i think we gotta celebrate the package well c- let, let's talk about the departure before we talk about the all package. right, all right. You, go, you go go for it the the kyle bush's m&m's deal man yeah, yeah, that's oh, fair. And, and Mars leaving, that's a big deal. Yeah, but Jimmy Johnson, sad, running... I was ready to party, and now, now we're hey, hey, got I sad boy you. hours. I told you, we're gonna, we can, we can <laughs> add the package next, man. But right, I'm sitting here, sitting here watching this co- come on what Monday, I think, is when, when that all yeah. came out. Yeah, and I'm sitting here thinking, man, MM's is or Mars company has been in in racing for such a long time, but M&Ms in particular, man, Ken Schrader in the 36 car, that's like instant, instant thought. Yeah. I still have my uh, trick or treat thing from then. I think I have a coin holder too. That's awesome. That's like shaped like a race car. I, I don't I'm know jealous. if it was actually a coin hold, holder, if there was like chocolate in there or something, but uh, I, I put an M&M holder. holder. Yeah, it was. Oh yeah. Actually, actually that's probably what it was. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that goes to show how good their advertising deal went. Right. Uh, 
I don't think uh, I don't think they didn't get what they wanted out of it. Uh, from what I've read, a couple okay. of people. Let Let me ask you this: Think about all the races that you've gone to within you know last 10, 10 15 years, whatever right. it's been, right? And walking through like the midway or or whatever. How many times do you see a kid wearing a let's for for instance a jimmy johnson shirt versus a kyle bush shirt well a, a little bit but usually it, it has the f word in front of it because they need those <laughs> kyle bush shirts uh, and i see a lot of those around okay Let, no i'm sa- what i was the saying m&m's was, ones okay. i think that i think the m&m's advertising people i think a couple people retired is what i've been kind of reading and i'm, I'm slightly speculating here but they're going to spend 2022 uh, celebrating their time in the sport. So I think that'll be really cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, guys, Lowe's has been out of NASCAR. Different people have gone in and out of NASCAR. Right. They'll be fine. Um, and I, I well, don't you know. What? Kyle Busch isn't exactly a, a hard name to find sponsors for. Well, yes and no. That that Did you read his his quote? what he had to stay on obviously he no. the article uh, but his quote on on him was the fact that the mars family and mars company allowed him to be himself and yeah. you know you think about all the all the times that he badmouthed somebody on national television got in a fight with joey logano on at vegas all these things that he did all these things that he did more susceptible to that today no you don't think uh, Okay, because in my opinion, I no. think that it's easier to fly that marketing style, especially like show him that video from New Hampshire. He's like, I, I could say a, a ton of crap right now, and it would just get me in trouble. So I guess I'm, I guess I'm just not going to say it. Even after, colorful, even colorful. after bump the pace card. I, I'm not I'm trying not, to, inter- I'm not trying to interrupt every no. time you say something. I just don't know if you're done. Or if no. I was done or, go ahead, Damon. You're good. <laughs> this is a train wreck anyway. It's fine, but you're a colorful candy company that promotes your stuff to kids to six five however old year old kids right you're promoting your your company in that way and you've got a figure who is in front of a family oriented sport giving a guy has blood running down his face and putting a guy on his ass in pit road. How much think about that. Now take away the M&M's deal and you put like little tykes, something, something else that kids enjoy. Right. Okay. You put that on the demographic you're going to go after. It's not. I think more people buy M&M's than kids though. Like it's a Halloween treat. I agree. For decoration on Christmas. Like I don't, I'm just, I don't know. I feel like M&M's were just huge already. Um, I, I don't they doubt definitely it. use NASCAR to get a lot bigger. And I don't uh, doubt it. I think they use the NASCAR to get the kids side because I walk, you know, I walk through Kansas speedway and the line at the Kyle Bush trailer has adults wearing chase Elliott gear. You sure know, you know, damn well, they're not there to buy a Kyle Bush hat. <laughs> they're with their, they're there with their seven year old son. Not after that, I uh, return to race and race it. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. They're there with their seven-year-old son. Talk about a colorful shirt. I'm sorry. I got to say, someone posted a thing like your favorite historical era and starting always race day in the middle of the pandemic and, you know, watching all those return to racing races with no fans (laughs) in the stands. It wasn't. That's that's not the best uh, my life or uh, watching 
racing is ever going to be, but it, it was damn sweet. It was fun to get a moment like that with no fans in the stands. Like you're kidding. It's cool. It was That's awesome. Cool. All right, let's celebrate this shit. Yeah, 550 yeah. package is done. It's done. I'm excited for that. We're Thank going God. to 670, and I wish it was more horsepower, but I, I will, I will take this. Hell, that's that's. I'll take it. It's halfway in between at this point. It's a lot more horsepower than what we were seeing last year at most of the tracks that we're going back to this year. So the last the last testing session didn't seem like as big of a train wreck or anything like that. So they're figuring nope. out the cars. Uh, it sounds like if you make a mistake, it really, really hurts you. Yep. So that'll be really fun to see on the track. And I think we're going to see a lot of different names jumping up that, you know, it might it might be something that NASCAR is building the cars now. So if there's any, like, parts that break and uh, this guy normally has bad luck here, maybe, maybe he prevails. I'm thinking of, like, a Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and stuff like yep. that. Yeah. Well, and you look at the names from from the practice, obviously you can't take a lot from it, but look at the the leaderboard from the practice and how how up and down it is. Like Corey LaJoy was top 10 most of the the time he was there with Spire Motorsports. And, 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 you and got, for the fans for the fans uh that think that everyone's just going to be talking and doing the same stuff in a normal season like, "Oh, maybe this team will be good. Maybe this team Go back to that first car tomorrow season. I think Hendrick won 12 of 16 races. Mm-hmm. They raced it 16 times out of 36. I'm pretty sure Hendrick got 12 of them. Yep. Okay. If your team can figure out the car first, you are. That's just it. Gone and gone. Yeah, you're there. You know, so we could see a new team arise this season. We also could see the the powerhouses be powerhouses still. Right, what, right. What's not to say that that Hendrick's cars right now, they might not have it figured out. But by the time we get to, I don't know, Bristol Dirt Race, whatever, I think they're early in the season, Texas, something, something that's early in the season. By the time we get there, what's to say that they don't rattle off seven company wins in a row? You know what the shittiest thing of, of all this is, Damon, is I'm again going to just bet like eight dirt guys to win Bristol Dirt. Oh yeah, and it could and be the same. It could be the same type of race where just crap goes wrong. That's, that's when Daniel Suarez will get his first win. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's not going to come at a road course. The guy finished top ten in his first dirt race ever, and he's going to go win it this next year. Oh man, it, but, this is going to be a fun, fun season to watch. I cannot yeah. wait. And, I, dude, I'm looking forward to. I'm, it. I was just. I'm thinking about a call in the right. Um, February. They got they got the damn clash on Fox. They changed the yep. TV. They got the damn clash on Fox the week before the Super Bowl. Yep. We're gonna watch the clash. We're gonna watch racing every day for a month, and then we're yep. gonna have the Daytona 500. It's gonna be sick. They they did the right thing. <laughs> Why not put a nationally known facility with one of your national major sports on? national television you don't right, put it on right. you don't put it on something well that, i think it was i think you have to do something to get that deal i don't know if i agree you played that night or what but i don't know take them off whatever you got to do i can tell you what if nascar is up against the pro bowl i still think nascar has a chance to beat beat the pro bowl with that. duh that's easy i that's hey easy. nfl fans they're suckers for NFL games for some reason. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But there's one NFL game I think everybody's okay getting rid of. Yeah, right. Uh, that that's one everybody's getting rid of. But all right, we're gonna jump into IndyCar uh, and some college basketball here in a second on the Always Race Day podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with Nicky Holman.
right, guys, we are joined now by Nick Yeoman, uh, star, all-star standout IndyCar pit reporter, uh, and also graduate of the uh, 2020 MAC football champion, Ball State University, uh, and big Purdue basketball fan. Nick, how's it going? Thanks for uh, coming on. Uh, Connor, I appreciate it. That's a, that's a great intro. Thanks for giving a shout out to the, uh, the undefeated until bowl season rolled around ball state Cardinals of 2010. <laughs> and, uh, and hopefully, as you mentioned, my Purdue basketball Boilermakers will, uh, will keep winning ball games and maybe they got a final four in them, but, uh, it's good to be with, uh, with you and Damon and, uh, excited to talk a little racing tonight with you guys. Absolutely. And we're, we're going to get into a little college basketball at the end too. I got, I got everything uh, on the list here, but uh, I kind of wanted to start with um, kind of how I became an IndyCar fan. Cause it, it was all from seeing Dan Weldon in uh, sports illustrated ads. And if you've listened to our podcast before, you've probably heard me talk about that, but I, I thought the cars looked really cool and I had to, I had to check it out. And I recently watched a documentary on that kind of whole era of everything. I think NASCAR man was, the guy who produced it. I might be wrong on that. I gotta look up his name. But uh, anyway, I, I get into any car, everything like that. And I, I'm at the point now where I haven't missed a race in three years or so. And I downloaded the IndyCar app the start of last season uh, when I got a new phone because I had enough space on it to download some new crap. Uh, and I ended up, if I wasn't watching the race on TV and that happened about seven, eight times through the year, I was listen, listening to Nick for the times that I wasn't next to a TV. Uh, on the IndyCar app, on IndyCar Radio, and it's all free. It's the best app for, like, any racing series I follow. And we, what, Damon, like 30 series? Oh, at least. We, yeah, we'd at go least. grassroots, World of Outlaws, Dirt, all that stuff, USAC. So uh, yeah. we, we've listened to Nick a ton, uh, and it means a shit ton that he uh, was so gracious to come on here with us. Yeah, no problem, guys, and, uh, and I appreciate it. And you guys, I mean, you're like me. It, it's... I mean, what IndyCar was my first opportunity in terms of, of broadcasting motorsports. But like, I mean, I, I'm just as excited to go to a USAC Indiana Sprint Week race. Or I mean, I always try to get over to Eldora for the World 100. You know, the World of Outlaws. You know, when they make the Midwest swing and, and NASCAR as well. Lucky enough to to work with the Performance Racing Network. So uh, that's cool. I'm 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 glad you became a fan. And and I mean, it's what I tell people like. All you got to do is experience it, and it's so easy for folks to get hooked on IndyCar because, as you mentioned, the cars are cool, the drivers are accessible if you ever go to a race, and uh, and as you mentioned, I hope we make it sound pretty damn exciting on radio when we're calling the races. So, uh, yeah, that's cool, and that app is fantastic, and it's a great opportunity and a great uh, resource for fans that, that love the sport or maybe you're just getting introduced to it to, uh, to really get a lot more access. And, Damon, let me know if you agree here, but – and I'm not just buttering you up, but I, I think the IndyCar broadcasts on the most professional and like big event Sunday, like broadcast that I was. Uh, dude, I tell you what, listening, there's nothing like listening to the Indy 500, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm a big, I'm a, so I'm a radio guy just like you are too, Nick. And we talked about it, but the fact of I would rather turn off the TV sound sync up the radio to the TV and, and I'll sit and listen to the whole 200 lap race with, with the radio and watch it. And I, I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy because as soon as the race ends, we always get flooded with a ton of like requests of like, when are you guys going to put that podcast up? Because you know, folks are like, I'm going to be out mowing my yard on the, the riding lawnmower 
Uh, I got, a, you know, a huge yard. I got an hour to do, and I want to listen to the Indy 500 broadcast. I mean, it is, and it's, it's, I mean, it's the most exciting race in the world, in my opinion. And, uh, and we just try to treat it that way. Um, obviously, you know, radio and its connection to the Indianapolis 500. I mean, I, I think radio is a big reason why the Indianapolis 500 became as big as it was uh, with, with Sid Collins starting the IMS radio network before television even covered it, you had this, you know, worldwide and really international audience that grew the Indy 500. And, uh, and yeah, we just always tried to, to keep up that, as you mentioned, professional style broadcast. And while things have changed as the cars go faster, our, our calls have to get faster. And, and, and certainly, you know, when you've got a duel at the end of the race, like we had this past year with Alex below and Elio Castroneves, I mean, how could you not make it sound exciting, but um, that's the big day. It's always a ton of fun to do that race. And, and we just try to carry over that same excitement. You know, it's not all, it, sometimes it's hard because you go to a, a street course race where maybe passing is hard. It's, it's sometimes tough to maintain <laughs> that same uh, excitement level of the Indy 500, but uh, we try to bring it every week and, you know, we've got a pretty loyal, you know, listener base and, and fan base that really love what we do. And, and it makes it fun for us. I got to ask too, before you go again, Connor, I, I got to ask outside of, outside of the Indy 500, what, where's, where's a place that you guys go to that you absolutely love to broadcast? Man, there's a couple of them. Um, I love going out to long beach. That just, that race has a big time feel and mm -hmm. admittedly a lot of times it resembles a parade. I mean, the race itself is maybe not the most exciting in the world, but I mean, the fans line up down the front stretch and it, it's just a big party. So that one's a lot of fun. And then from a pure racing standpoint, I love going out to Newton, Iowa, and I'm so excited that IndyCar is going back to Iowa Speedway because I mean, usually we have 24, 23 full-time drivers. I think next year we may have somewhere in the 26 to 27 and when you put 27, 28 Indy cars on that seven eighths of a mile oval, like it, it's, it's like putting a frog in a blender. Like it, it's nonstop <laughs> action and watching those guys deal with lap traffic. It is, it's so cool. So uh, we got a lot of cool races on the calendar, but uh, yeah, I love, I love going out to Iowa and watching those guys rip around that joint. Damon, I wish you would have stuck on my toaster because my next question for him was uh, going <laughs> to I, I get shit on all the time because I say pound for pound the best racing event in the state all year is IndyCar at the Iowa Speedway. Hey, I, I everyone you says you can't, you can't possibly think it's better than the Knoxville Nationals, and I'll say, I'll oh, say they're very close. I'll say they're ve they are very close, and <laughs> if IndyCar and Hy-Vee can deliver on this party atmosphere double letter weekend thing that they uh, have told me about and. Uh, they, they, they were very, I don't want to call it braggadocious because that's not the right word for it. They have very high ambitions for what that weekend's supposed to be like. Yeah, my hope is that they just, you know, long-term stick with a date on the calendar and a specific time because I, we, got, we got to, you know, they moved it around. Sometimes it was a Saturday night race. Sometimes it was a Saturday day race. They move it to Sunday. And, and it's just tough to get folks to remember. So I hope that at least there's some data equity, but uh, it's, it's cool, man. I mean, I had never heard of Hy-Vee supermarkets up until about a year ago when they got involved with, with Bobby Rahal's team. And boy, they, they love IndyCar like the three of us do because uh, it's, it's pretty cool. So I'm excited to see that, that race back on the calendar, two races, I guess, double header. It's going to be fun. It's insane. Cause if you, if you ever told me I'd walk in, that's the big grocery store up here. Um, but if you ever told me I walk into a Hy-Vee and see Santino Ferrucci standing about four foot seven, <laughs> Whoever sent in the cutout size, they got it a little shrunk. Is about ninety percent, I want to say. 
because I've stood next to him. He's not that short, but no. Uh, he had cutouts in about every Hy-Vee and they had race day deals or whatever and promoting the Indy 500 and they promoted IndyCar throughout the summer. So they're big into IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. That's, that's a big deal. That's IndyCar's always looking for sponsors to get involved. And I guess I know Hy-Vee's wanting to push towards more of the Midwest. I think they've got, I saw a story this past week where they were going to have like three or four stores open up in Indiana. So that's cool. I hope they're, uh, I hope they're dinging it and uh, I hope they're, they're excited for that race weekend. Absolutely. Well, and we make the joke that Hy-Vee is the grocery store, the guy that couldn't decide what kind of store he wanted to buy because they've expanded into a restaurant and the clothing stores <laughs> in Minnesota. There you go. Pretty soon they're going to just start their own race team. I was going to say, they're going to start putting go-kart tracks out back for everybody <laughs> to add into as well. But, um, you know, th- this off season, you talked about, you know, adding so many more race teams this year, right. And looking about 27, 28 race teams, full-time teams. That That's crazy to think about in, in its own right. But the changes that we've seen, like Sato leaving Ray Hall, you've got open seats wow. with some wow. big names. Which one do you think is the biggest? That's what I was going to ask. Which one do you think is, is the biggest uh, opening that has been filled? Uh, it, it, for me, it's hard not to look at Roman Grosjean filling that DHL seat, which Ryan Hunter Ray had run for so many years, obviously won a championship, won Indianapolis 500, which was competitive for, for so many years. It, it's hard not to look at that one. Um, just because I, you know, while there are teams that have, have, I think moved up to the upper echelon. I think that obviously the McLaren Arrow uh, SP team has, has, has become really strong. The Ray Hall Letterman group on any given night can, uh, can, can perform, but it's still Penske, Ganassi, and Andretti. Those are the three teams you look at. And obviously, you know, not a lot of movement at, at Penske or Ganassi this year. So when a seat opens up with Michael Andretti's team, it's, uh, it's, it's a big deal. So I think Grosjean was kind of a breath of fresh air. I think fans really enjoyed um, just how much he enjoyed racing in IndyCar. Um, I'm excited to see what he does on ovals. I mean, he kind of blew me away when he, he jumped in that car at, uh, at, at St. Louis at the worldwide technology Raceway there at gateway. It was like blowing past guys left and right. And he was, you know, throwing out the right rear and tank slappers. And, and he looked like a sprint car driver out there, but, um, that, that 28 car, that DHL car deserves to be the top half of the field. It wasn't the last couple of years with Ryan Hunter Ray. So, um, that's, that's a big one that I'm, I'm excited to see how, Grosjean does, uh, especially with, with having teammates like Rossi and, and Colton Herta to bounce information off of the damper program at Andretti's always been really strong. They've got good setups. So, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I would be shocked if Grosjean didn't win at least one race next year. I think he's going to be competitive all year. Let's, uh, let's keep it in the Andretti camp, uh, kind of what, uh, what do you make of Alexander Rossi's just horrific luck? Yeah, I mean, obviously, last year or, or the previous year, it was, boy, poor luck. And then, you know, when it happens a second year, you start to wonder what's going on there. Um, there I are answered it rumors. that way because I, I didn't want to just say the numbers went way down. They did. Yeah, go ahead. You can't you can't ignore um, knockoff in statistics. And there's situations and everything and that engine refiring stuff. I mean, that sucks. You know, I... Uh, Seeing a different guy win the Indy 500, uh, well, not not different, but no one walked into that and thought Elio was going to win it. But you see Dixon drop out and Rossi drop out, and I'm kind of sitting there like, shit, man, I picked Dixon, Rossi, and uh, yeah. whoa, this is going to 
I guess we're putting all our cards on Alex Pillow. He <laughs> damn near won it. I, I think I had the same reaction. I think that was my pick. I thought it was going to come down to Dixon and Rossi. And then we're sitting there like 80 miles into the 500-mile race, and they're both a lap down. And I'm like, what the hell? I mean, what is going on? And it's, it's just so – it's almost impossible with how competitive the series is to ever, you know, unlap yourself unless you're getting some massive wave around and perfectly timed cautions. So, yeah, it's just horrific luck. And, and I don't know if they need to change some things up in terms of, of, of the engineering standpoint and maybe put someone different on his pit box – but there are already rumors, I'll tell you, floating around that this could be the last year of Alexander Rossi with that team. I, I don't think he is necessarily pleased with how things are going. Um, you know, on the surface, to me, I always think it looks like it's a lot of bad luck getting caught up in accidents that aren't necessarily his fault. But, uh, you know, if you listen to his podcast or you listen to an Alexander Rossi interview, uh, he doesn't hide the fact that he is not enjoyed uh, his last couple of years in IndyCar. So it, it's something's got to change because I think, we all think he's he's incredibly talented. I mean, he could have a couple Indy 500 wins and, and a championship by now, but uh, something's got to change because the last two years have just been miserable for him. Would you agree that if it's going to be this for best from the Andretti side of things, that you, you need to give him what he wants on a pit crew side? If he wants to get changed in crew chief, you've got to give it to him? Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. I, I mean, it's it's he is a world-class talent, and you've obviously – you know, you've got this weird dynamic where he, Alexander Rossi looked like he was going to be the man with that team. And now you've got Colton Herta, who's looking like a future, you know, series champion. Um, but you still want multiple bullets in the chamber. That's what Ganassi has. That's what Penske has. So, um, yeah, I, I think maybe those guys got to get on the same page. And if something's got to be shaken up heading into the next season, uh, I think you got to do it because Rossi's still really good. I didn't forget how to win races. Uh, it's just been a lot of bad luck. And, and uh, like I said, if the, if the rumors are true, uh, Andretti and those guys need to deliver, or he may be looking elsewhere to go somewhere else. Well, I was going to say, do you think it's more an Andretti problem versus an Alexander Rossi deal? Because you, you talked about Ryan Hunter Ray finishing mid pack to, to less than most of the last couple of years and Rossi struggles and, and bad luck, quote unquote. Do you think it's more an Andretti problem or do you think it's more a Rossi problem? Yeah. And, and, and don't forget James Hinchcliffe's, you know, right. second stint with that team was really nothing special. And, and obviously you know, he's now without a ride. So, it, again, it's tough because then you look at the 26 car and what Colton Herta has done, and he is competitive and fast and winning poles and winning races and being competitive every single week, and it makes you think, all right, they've got what he's got. Why isn't it working? So, um, you know, I've also heard some talk of, of maybe that team has been a little too spread too thin. Obviously, Michael Andretti's gone out and he's involved with, with Formula E, and he's got – uh, like one of those off-road truck programs. And obviously he's got teams up and down the road to Indy. And the big storyline this offseason was, is he going to buy a Formula One team? So When's he going to buy a World of Oz team? Come on. <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's go, <laughs> let's go dirt racing and take Rossi to Knoxville. Um, but uh, it just makes you wonder <laughs> if they need to kind of refocus and make sure that they don't just have one good car, that they've got, you know, three or four next year. You think uh... – Kind of going off that, uh, the the rookies coming in. Um, hold on, I don't want to get his name wrong. You Devlin D. Francesco. The I'm talking about. De I'm talking about Devlin and uh, Christian Lundgaard uh, as well. But like two formula prospects coming over here, which I love. Um, I I'll say it. Like the last, the last season of Formula One kicked ass. I loved it. 
it, yeah. it's great. Um, I don't agree with their officiating calls sometimes. But that has nothing to do with the last race. I actually loved how they officiated the last race. Yeah. Uh, being a NASCAR fan and a green-white checkered guy. But the eight years before that, waking up at 7 a.m. to watch the same damn guy win every race. Uh, or 2010 when I was a Red Bull fan when I was like 12 years old and I'd wake up and watch Vettel win every race. I, I'm not... I don't hate seeing Formula One succeed to the likes that it is, but I think IndyCar is a much better product, if that makes sense. Taking two I, I would agree with it. I like yeah. Because and there's, there's think, talented people, they just don't get the opportunities. Right, and I, I think you're seeing this shift now of, of guys realizing like, okay, there are 20 open seats every year in Formula One, and you know, a good 12 to 14 of them are going to be spoken for for veteran drivers. Another three or four are going to be rich kids. So... I, I guess the guy that won the the F two championship, I don't I don't want to screw up his name. It's like Oscar Pistorius or something like that. that like this great. guy had won every single uh, championship in in Formula One's you know ladder program. It's not as designated as as obviously the Road yeah. to Indy has been. He goes F four right? Yeah, like he won every single championship, and I think he's going to be a reserve driver next year. Like, how does that guy not walk in and get a Formula One opportunity? So. You're seeing this shift of guys like a Christian Lungard say, you know what, L let's go try IndyCar and try to make a career out of it. And, and Grosjean moving over and, and Rossi coming over and having success and Sato winning a couple Indy 500s. I, I think there's been this shift. And I think hopefully in you know the, the, the eyes of the world, they're never going to view IndyCar on the same playing field as Formula One, but at least they'll look at it and say, all right, they've got drivers that are just as talented and it's a competitive championship and it should be taken serious. So, you know, in terms of some of these rookies that there's, there's some good ones. I like some of the young Americans that we've got uh, Kyle Kirkwood that, uh, that won the Indy lights championship a year ago. David Malukas just got announced to drive uh, for, for the Dale coin, Rick Ware racing team. They're going to pair him up with Takuma Sato. He's super fast young kid from Chicago. Uh, you know, Devlin DeFrancesco is kind of an interesting one. He's a guy that, that has a huge amount of funding, which is why he got that opportunity. But he held his own. He was a mid-pack Indy Lights driver uh, this past year. I don't think he'll embarrass himself, but I wouldn't expect him to be super competitive. And then, as you mentioned, Lundgaard's the, the, the real wild card because that dude showed up to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course the second half of the year and, like, qualified in the fast six. And he faded a little bit which you would expect in your first IndyCar start. But there's some natural speed with that kid that uh, if, if Bobby Rahal and, and David Letterman, they give him a good race car, uh, he's going to be competitive. That's going to be a fun team to watch with, with Jack Harvey joining. And obviously Graham Rahal is kind of the, uh, the elder statesman with that group. Yeah, why do you think? Well, I, I was just going to ask, why do you think all of a sudden now we're seeing more Formula One guys make the switch over to IndyCar? Because you know you had Juan Pablo come over from from Formula One, and you've had a lot of guys go from Formula One to IndyCar, but not consistently and not as yeah. many at the same time. I think it it just says a lot about those drivers that at the end of the day. Uh, they've got the racer in them, just like your local short track guy. And in formula one, if you're not in a red bull or a Mercedes, you really don't have a chance to consistently win races. So you start looking around and you think, well, can I go to an IndyCar, a spec series? And even if you're a Roman Grosjean and you, you jump in a, a Dale coin, Rick Ware racing car, which historically has been looked at at the bottom of the field and you're immediately, you know, competitive, 
and it's a fun paddock to be in. You know, it's lighthearted. It's a family atmosphere. It's not so cutthroat. I think some of those guys look at it and say, I want an opportunity to go race and, and win races because that ultimately is what it's all about. They're, they're racers at the end of the day. So um, I know that over in Europe, Formula One's going to be the dream for everybody. I get that. Uh, I totally do. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, like Connor said, I mean, I've, I've become a huge Formula One fan the last couple of years watching that, that Netflix show and, and obviously mm -hmm. the championship being more competitive this year than it has been in the last decade uh, has been a lot of fun to watch. But, you know, outside of those top four cars, you know, I think a lot of guys realize, hey, I can go to, to America, have a chance to win the Indy 500, enjoy myself and compete for wins. And, and I think for a lot of them, that matters. Nick, do you, uh, do you remember the Iowa race where Ed Carpenter was uh, really pissed off? I forget at who. Well, Ed Carpenter has been pissed off for That's, the last like that is fair. 12 years. <laughs> I was, I was, all right, so I was, was on – Did he and Montoya, did they crash together? And I, that might have been was, that might have been one, but that wasn't the Iowa one. Yeah, I, I um, no, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what you're referencing. It, it might have been Sage. Let me, uh, I'll look it up in the next five minutes here. But I was gonna say is I, I haven't seen. I was on TV in the middle of that like scrum that they're just bitching at each other, and I got TV people trying to elbow me, and I'm like, dude, I'm six four. I was two fifty <laughs> at the time. You're not gonna move me around. Right. So I'm on TV, just like people running into me and I'm just kind of like standing still and like listening to what these guys are saying. And I wasn't a journalist for a long time at that point. I didn't really know what to do. I should have taken my phone out and taken a video. Uh, I think I had, <laughs> I think I was like literally like holding like my phone, like voice recorder app, like in the air, uh, but huge kind of like skirmish, whatever you want to call it on pit road. But IndyCar guys now, how the paddock is, they're also nice. Yeah, you don't have there. There is no villain, and you almost want to say you want a villain uh, because that would make the sport better and more entertaining. Blah blah blah. But I think that's like a big thing to attract drivers is that everyone loves each other. For the yeah, most, I, part. Mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say no one hates each other because <laughs> it, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because I mean, with the open wheel nature of the sport, you can't go out and if a guy pisses you off, you can't go. You know give them the chrome horn and dump them into turn three at Iowa, right? Like, I mean, there's very few racetracks. One, you'll damage your wing. Two, you got the chance of wheel-to-wheel -wheel contact, sending cars airborne. So there, there's a natural level of respect in IndyCar that you just have to have because of the danger of the sport. Now, with that said, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's nothing cooler than a rivalry. And we saw it with Verstappen and Hamilton in Formula One. We see it in NASCAR all the I mean, it changes every couple of weeks in NASCAR. Everybody <laughs> hates everybody at, at some point. Uh, and that's the thing with IndyCar is that, yeah, I mean, I've the, the thing that irritates me the most, and I've, I've raged against this for years, is I promise IndyCar fans, if I'm ever down there on pit lane and I see two drivers fighting, you will not see Nick Yeoman grabbing and pulling them apart and saying, yes, oh, come thank on, you. guys, calm down. Let's <laughs> let cooler heads prevail. Like, no, I'm going to egg them on. I want to see them fight. He's laying down money on somebody to win. I just want, yeah, I just I mean, want to compare this. nothing worse than when I see a pit lane fight broken up. Like, let them fight. This is this is the stuff we love. Right. Yeah. Noah, Noah Gregson and Daniel Hemrick got into one of the biggest on-camera fights NASCAR has seen in the past five years. And they're going to be teammates next year, and they're completely fine with it. They used it as a promo. It happened. Yeah, yeah exactly. It happened. <laughs> um, and I should have gone with my gut because it was Sage Corral uh, at Iowa. 
it, it was literally the argument was he was getting too close to the wheels and neither of them wrecked each other and i was in shock that he was sitting there pissed off about it yeah when you mentioned sage it it, it all of a sudden i mean i've called enough races now that they all start to run <laughs> together but i do right. remember sage was making that car a little wide and i remember ed getting runs sage block him in a little bit and uh and yeah that's that would have been a good fight sage is a wrestler and Ed's, Ed can hold his own. Uh, oh, his own wrestlers all take. So one of my buddies is a state champion. And I, when I was at my 250-pound stage in high school, he was about a freshman. I think he won the state title at 113 or 120. And that kid took me down in pool basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was like I was the point guard, and he's the post player that's mugging me behind, uh, under the hoop. Oh, that, that's awesome. So I, I got to ask this. Is, is there any full-time IndyCar driver that you see or would like to see do the double? Uh, full-time? Well, the obvious answer would be Scott Dixon, just because with, from an experience standpoint, I, I'd just love to see how, how he could tackle it. Um, it would probably have to be one of the younger guys now. Um Colton Herta would be up there. Uh, that would be a lot of fun. I don't know if he necessarily has the interest, but yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing is we never see the IndyCar guy. I wish more IndyCar guys would show interest in wanting to fly to, to Charlotte to do Coca-Cola mm -hmm. 600. There's plenty of NASCAR guys that, that want to get it set up. Um, I, think, so I, I, think I, all, I think all they would have to do is, is try to come out, you know, around October, November and just say, man, it'd be really cool to run the Coke 600 too. And, Fuck NASCAR, just move it back to six central. It yeah. doesn't even start at five central. You know, yeah. if anyone tries to run the double, they got to get their damn asses out of town. And if you win that race and you got to try to fly to Charlotte, you're just not going to make it there. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, there's, there's a lot of names I'd like to see it. I mean, the big one for me though, is I, I want to see, I want to see Kyle Larson, in the Indy 500. <laughs> I want to see it next year. And I hope Roger Penske can make it happen. Um, you know, there's been whispers. I, I, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but, uh, that's the big one to watch. I mean, obviously Jimmy Johnson, you know, he'll be running the Indy 500 next year. That's going to be a cool deal. And, and, uh, I saw Bob Pockris kind of threw that story out there this week that Kyle Busch, you know, the, the M&Ms leaving that team frees him up an opportunity to, I mean, it was worded in a way where I'm like, you know, I said, well, now an opportunity for him to potentially explore, uh, sponsorships to run the Indy 500. I'm like, well, oh, wait a second. Okay, we got something here. So uh, there's lots of options, man. But I, I, there's nothing cooler than when someone's running the double, whether it be Kurt Busch, you know, a few years mm -hmm. ago or all the years Tony Stewart did it. I mean, it is it is cool to see those guys hustle to get to the helicopters and the airplanes and and fly off to Charlotte. It's a lot of fun. It gives a whole nother it gives a whole nother meaning to that second race, right? You're watching the Indy 500 all day long, and then you go to turn on on the Coke 600, which nine times out of ten is is tends to be a snooze fest. And anyway. time, time out, time out. I would say this year was much more. I'm I'm it was, not it was this year. This I'm not season, denying it. Oh man, that race literally put me to sleep. I'm so I'm not denying it. It, we are celebrating today the, the death of the five package. So I, I'm not denying it, but you know, yeah. you, you think about the fact of of all those times that it, it, it is a snooze fest. Well, when Kurt Busch made that made that switch over, it gave you a little bit extra more motivation to hey, I need to tune in and see how he does. Yeah, and I think I, I think there's the opportunity to do this is going to be you're gonna see more opportunities 
because Roger Penske's running the IndyCar series and he's obviously, you know, great relationship with NASCAR, being a team owner for so many years. And, and you're already starting to see, I think both series realize like, okay, IndyCar is not back to where it was pre-split. I mean, we're making baby steps, but it's not there yet. It's growing in popularity. And NASCAR obviously has really taken it on the chin here in the last decade. And, and they've got to find a way to reinvent themselves and get fans coming back to the racetrack. And you're seeing both series kind of work together with some of these doubleheader weekends. There's been some talk of, of more of those happening. So I would hope that for a lot of these situations, if somebody wants to do it, like let, let's work together so that we can give race fans the opportunity to watch someone, you know, run 1100 miles and attempt to win, you know, the two of the biggest races in, in their respective sports. And, and I think some of those opportunities are going to be there uh, simply because folks, you know, they got to work together a little bit more now. I just, this is the question, but, I want to stress what Nick said uh, to all the dirt fans listening. The biggest thing for racing in any series that you follow is all the series working together. Series scheduling on top of each other in the dirt lay model world, that's old as shit. I hate yeah. it. It's stupid. We got to stop doing that. So work together. Everyone work together. Make racing a bigger deal. Like next year, there's a World of Outlaws late model race in Davenport. And on the same day, there's a World of Outlaws sprint car race in Burlington, Iowa. It's like two and a half hours away from each other. What are we doing? Let's move, yeah, those, and, dates. Let's move those dates a little bit. The same people are going to watch in Dirt Vision on a Tuesday that will on a Friday. It might dip a little. Yeah, and it, Come on. And that's, and that's, you know, that's, those are both World of Outlaws sanctioned series. I mean, right, that's right. it doesn't make any sense. And, and obviously in the late model world, I mean, the, the, the checks and the big races. I mean, it's just incredible how many big time events are being added to that uh, Eldora you know, Mil million. Lucas. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. It's just crazy with, with all the money that's coming into to flow racing. And, and I mean, that late model, it's, it is big time stuff. So yeah, I mean, it, it's great, but you know, you got to be able to make sure that you can work together so that you got some, some spectacular and good looking, you know, sizes of fields and drivers that can make all those events. While we're on this, and I, I do want to get to college basketball in a second, uh, what what do you make of uh, USAC and IndyCar uh, kind of saying we're going to work together, USAC's going to sanction this new development ladder? What, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's it's fascinating because, I mean, that was kind of out of left field that, like, Levi Jones was, was you know, named as, as kind of a, an Indy Lights series director to, uh, to kind of oversee. It, it's, I mean, we need it. Like, it's great to have these European drivers come over, but the, the coolest thing about IndyCar, and I think the, the selling point has always been that it's both that you get a chance to see, you know, a few years ago, I think, uh, John Lacey and Brian Clawson were in the same race. I mean, you just don't get to see this anywhere else than an IndyCar and in the Indianapolis 500. So no, there, there needs to be a, a partnership there. I, I don't know if it's ever going to be feasible again to get USAC drivers to, to race full-time in the IndyCar series just because, you know, wielding a midget or a sprint car at Kokomo or Lawrenceburg, I, it just doesn't transfer to the skill set that it takes to go around a street course at St. Pete or at, at a road course like Barber Motorsports Park. But um, you still have to be able to find those drivers because there may not be a ton of guys that can do it but there are Tony Stewart's out there and there are Kyle Larson's out there. There are Jeff Gordon's out there. All these guys that at some point should have been in an IndyCar. Tony Stewart, you know, obviously made, made the jump and, and did the opportunity. But uh, yeah, I, I'd love to see those next phenoms at least get an opportunity. So for USAC and IndyCar to be partner, partnered up a little bit more is uh, in my world. That's exactly how it should be. 
Jim, you got anything else on the racing? Um, not not on the racing side. I'm kind of curious. Because, All right, hold on, because hold on, the hold off on. season, the off season for this guy on Twitter, he's more on the he's more on Twitter during the off yeah. season than he is during the season. So this is awesome. I, I always I catch a lot of flack from people too because I, I never know how to act and, and be a responsible adult in social media because I know Who cares. You know, people <laughs> people follow you for your job. So like, I always I always feel bad that people that you know follow me for IndyCar or NASCAR stuff. They're like, man, what's this guy? Why well, just got tweet about Purdue basketball all the day <laughs> for his crappy Carolina Panthers that can't win a game in the month of December. But, um, you know, at the same time, it, you know, we're all humans. We all have tons of different interests. So, uh, yeah, I, I have fun with it, but you're right. I mean, off season, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more active on social media, just the travel and, and, you know, calling the races and the practices and qualifying. Sometimes it's hard to be as, uh, as active during the race season. Yeah, so I, I have the same issue. So uh, one of my jobs is always race day. Uh, and this is all under the same company, but one of my other jobs uh, is Iowa State uh, women's basketball, especially uh, and some basketball and football recruiting stuff. Uh, so people kind of get uh, a real healthy mix of Iowa State sports and racing. Uh, I assume one of my best friends, Antron Brown, follows me back on Twitter. A great guy, NHRA guy. I think he did it on accident. I don't know, but he's probably read so many. He did it on accident. <laughs> well, that's what we think, but we don't know, Damon. I, he's my best friend still. That's all. I I, I'm still hanging my hat on. He did it on accident. <laughs> he hasn't unfollowed me. He obviously likes it. I don't think yeah. he's ever liked one of my tweets, but he likes reading them. I'm sure. Or it's his always one of those I always wonder, like, I always wonder how many people like follow me, but have me muted. Because they just yeah. like, all right, I can't take the rest all this guy's other sports tweets and his stupid, dumb jokes. Like, I always <laughs> wonder about that. But, you know, it, it's social media. It's not the real world. Like, you know, I, I try not to stress about it too much. Absolutely. So, so for the background here, um, so Nick on his YouTube channel, and you just got to search his name on YouTube. It's Nick Yeoman. It'll, it'll be in Spotify. Um, after every Purdue basketball game, he kind of has a recap video. And I watched, I think, five of them today. Uh, in prep for this interview. Uh, and I, I know more about Purdue basketball uh, than I do about every team in the country minus Iowa State and Drake. So he does God, a fantastic God job. It's not meant to be sarcastic at all. It, it is awesome stuff. And I, I would agree that Rutgers has the ugliest arena from the outside in college. Yeah. It looks like something straight out of Star Wars. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it looks like. No, it's not even that impressive. That's the Raiders stadium from Star Wars. And this is like Star Trek Jr. Yeah, this is like, like development league Star Trek refineries where they make things. It's <laughs> it's a terrible looking thing. Yeah, so I started this YouTube channel, and I don't I don't know what the hell I'm doing with it. I so here's here's the background. The background is I'm gonna get in, I'm gonna get in some fights with commenters in the next two weeks. That's my goal. Is, there you go. I'm gonna follow some Purdue man. basketball, and then I'm gonna watch a couple minutes of the game, and then take all my takes from those three minutes that I watch, uh, and just completely flame someone in the comments. That's that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. But like. <laughs> Two years ago, I, I, I worked in local radio in West Lafayette talking Purdue basketball, Purdue football every day. And, uh, I mean, it was just a cool opportunity. It was a nice, you know, Monday through Friday gig. And then the pandemic came and they shelved all local shows. So, like, I was getting used to talking Purdue basketball all the time and I missed it. So, I knew this season was, was going to be special because they've got a, a fantastic team, a top five team. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to start this stupid YouTube channel and – I mean, listen, my, these videos don't get thousands and thousands of views. They get a couple hundred views, but I'm having fun with it. It's something to do during the off season. And uh, the, 
the fact that you watched five of them puts you as one of my top viewers there with my mom and my grandfather. So I'm going to watch the other five tomorrow. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take the top fan badge in the comment section. That way they know my authority when I say. There I got to go. check out the one after the Rutgers game. That's the one I want to say. That's the fun. That was the first one I clicked on. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how it is. When you, when you watch it or follow a good team, it's always going to be the heartbreaking <laughs> losses when teams hit half court buzzer beaters. Those are going to be the ones that everyone wants to check out. So no, I, I totally get that. I just, I, I have to check that one out. That that's gotta be one of the top ones though. Right. I mean, it's, it's, pretty good. it's gotta be. Yeah. So, so we're both big Iowa State guys. All right, I, I got to revisit this. The first thing I got to tell you. All right. so we went to Milwaukee uh, to watch Iowa State Purdue in the round of 32 in uh, 2017. Damon, give me a fact. Uh, sounds your time. right. 16 or yeah. 17, maybe 16, 17 season. Um, 17, we, I think. We sat a row in front of a guy uh, dressed in a banana with a printed out Purdue logo cut and pasted onto his stomach. Uh, and this dude's making fun of Deontay Burton's pink shoes that he wore because his mom died of breast cancer. And oh. I, yeah, no, and I'm not, I don't have near the uh, hatred for Purdue fans as they do North Dakota State. And that, that's just constant examples for North Dakota State. You don't even got to ask me about that. Uh, but, oh man, I've never, I have never wanted to punch some random fan in the face as much as I did that game. But I wanted to see if you remember that game uh, and Deontay Burton kind of leading that comeback for Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, and Purdue eventually winning in the end. I thought I thought Burton was going to score 45 points and I was going to shut that guy up for the rest of his yeah. life. And I, I which, just didn't get my dream. Which is what you're rooting for, right? Like, I mean, I've gone to games and, it, you know, it, it's not like ever a team specific. Like, every fan base has just obnoxious folks. Right, right. It, it's mm-hmm. just, it was the luck of the draw that I said yeah. that's the worst one. And, there's, and I, there's I don't hold that against better. Purdue fans at all. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing better, though, no matter what team it is, like when your team can pull off a win and come from behind and mm-hmm. shut them up. Um, yeah, I do remember that game. And honest, I mean, Purdue always falls on their face in March. Like, I'm telling you right now, like, they're ranked third in the country right now. I, I already know. People are like, oh, Final Four, National Championship. And I'm like, hey, if, if they get out of the first weekend, we'll be happy. So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you real quick because from watching your videos and your your mindset of Purdue sports, that's what Iowa State sports has been like. Yeah. For probably 35 years. Anytime you have something good going, it's like this is going too good for Iowa State. You're yep. all going to come down the drain at some point. Now, let me ask you something because I, I don't know the the dynamics of, of the fandom of, of folks in Iowa. Uh-huh. But like in Indiana, 75, I mean, obviously there's Notre Dame fans and they're their own thing up there in South Bend, but like by and large, like 75% of fans are IU fans and then 25% are Purdue fans. And they always, you know, Purdue fans, we feel like little brother and we don't get the respect. I mean, is that the same way? So I now the deal is I, I would say, I would say the percentages are a little close, maybe 70 to 30. Uh, Iowa fans in the state of Iowa, but that number yeah. is closer and closer as Iowa State's football and basketball programs kind of take take a different shift. But the only thing I would say is Iowa State fans would never admit they're the little brother. That is that's a big Iowa Hawkeye joke. Yeah, and they yeah. love to make it. Yeah, uh, I can I can understand that. I, so yeah. did you guys get a kick out of then when Purdue football walked into Kinnick Stadium 
and beat Iowa when they were ranked number two this Hell week. Hell yes, I bet on it. I bet on it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, I did. I took Purdue plus the points. And I celebrated every damn minute of that ass kicking. I, I will say, so um, I, I'm not trying, do not let this drag the podcast down or anything. My grandpa passed away uh, in 2015. Um, and last three or four years of his life, I spent every Saturday uh, driving to his house or having my parents drive me to his house, watching college game day at eight in the morning. Uh, and then Iowa State and Iowa would usually play at 11 and 2.30, uh, either switched or whatever, because, I mean, neither of them were top 25 every single season, so they weren't playing at 7. Uh, that's just how the TV models worked. And so I, I learned how to cheer for Iowa, and yeah. I don't hate Iowa. I actually got the first weekend of football season that I was in the fraternity I graduated from, uh, I got uh, shunned by two kids because I was cheering for North Dakota State to lose to Iowa. Uh, they, it's, there's just layers and layers to it. I don't look, I, I might pile on Iowa on a night they lose like that. Uh, I, I might throw a joke out there, but I, I don't wish their fans ill. And I, I know a lot of good Iowa fans. So. I don't see, wish their deep rivalry, but I understand Iowa state fans. I like to see them lose in the state. And see, I gotta be, I gotta be super careful because again, everyone in the state of Indiana is an IndyCar fan. So I yeah. can't like, when Purdue inevitably wins their 10th and 11th straight over Indiana in basketball this year, count my chickens before they hatch. I like, uh, I know. I like, I like that you have the count down. The, com- the confidence is there, isn't it? It's, it's almost we would have that. Count. We would have that, but our coach last year went 0 and 18 at Big 12 play. But, but, but I got to, I always got to keep in mind, like, yeah, man, there's a lot of IndyCar fans that are IU fans. So try not to irritate them too much. So see, that's, see, and that's our fan base is uh, dirt racing fans from Iowa is, is a big part of it. And I think, uh, a lot of them are Iowa fans and you got, you know, sometimes I'll use the Iowa state gift and some on like, just for a reaction thing on some news or something like that. On the always Facebook account, and There's one or two guys that, that will reply and be like, Oh, you wouldn't even know this is a racing account. You're between Iowa state gifts all the time. I'm like, dude, calm down, man. See, I, I don't necessarily post a lot about it. I will every once in a while, like after the basketball win, I'll post some, some sort of random gif or something like that. Right. But I grew up where my grandparents, my uncles, everybody were all Iowa fans. And so I grew up always getting, you know, just thrown to the wolves because we're Iowa state fans. Like me and and my two sisters and my parents were all Iowa state fans. And so every time we just got thrown to the wolves. So anytime I get the chance, I I take every dig possible. I just, I don't do it to the social media side because a lot of the fact of there's a (laughs) lot of people that follow us that are Iowa fans. I think race fans get it though. I mean, listen, it's just, just like Earnhardt fans didn't like Gordon fans. And there are, you know, IndyCar, you know, there are certain drivers that people like. I mean, Connor was it, posting about that today on Twitter, actually. Was he? Yeah. What's that? The Gordon and Earnhardt rivalry. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when I was, uh, someone asked me how I became a NASCAR fan. When I was a kid. I was watching all the races and stuff. And um, my dad really loved uh, Dale Earnhardt. And I thought his car looked kind of shitty. Uh, just <laughs> That's lazy. And I was like, Rainbow, hell yeah. Uh, and so I uh, I like Jeff Gordon. Uh, and per my mom, that caused a, uh, bit, a bit of a lapse in my dad's and I's uh, relationship over the years. <laughs> she, said, she said it delayed it a couple of, couple of years. 
That's how it goes. That's how I'm it goes just waiting. Fun. I'm waiting for the comments of all the Earnhardt people now. This this episode went from being really great, getting all the likes and everything, to about four dislikes because Connor called Earnhardt's car lazy. <laughs> it was it's a lazy <laughs> paint scheme. It's, it's black <laughs> with a line on it. Come on, man. When it was coming up behind you and moving you out of the way to win races, uh, it, <laughs> it wasn't lazy then. <laughs> Oh my Nick, uh, Nick, have you have you uh, seen or paying attention to uh, what the top ten Iowa State men's basketball team has done this season? I, I didn't know. I didn't know they were ranked in the top ten. Oh shit! Oh I'm, man. I'm focus. I'm, uh, there's only a couple of teams. That's all right. Over. I'm That's only looking right. forward, brother. We're here to tell you about all about this top ten team. You got to tell oh, your kid. You got to tell your kids and everything about the team that finished 0 and 18. Uh, in the Big 12 last year, got a new coach and is 12-0 uh, through non-conference play. Really? Yeah. Go I, feel like their, be, I feel like more should be made of that. Real quick, go pull up their uh, ESPN schedule. And, and I, look they, at the they haven't played anybody, have they? Uh, no, they've beaten uh, – Memphis beat was Memphis? ranked ninth. I want to say Virginia Tech is receiving going when they beat them. Uh, they beat, beat Xavier when they were 25th. Xavier, I'm sorry, it wasn't Virginia Tech, it was Xavier. Okay. Yeah. Xavier was 25th. Blew the barn doors off of Iowa. Oregon so State. They're, they're on the radar. Oregon State sucks this year. Yeah. Did, Oregon State. Wait, did, they, did they win a game 47 to 37? That's right. Yeah, yep. Jackson State. Jackson State. They scored 47 points in one? Yep. Now, now, the biggest thing about the team is the uh, – I'm forgetting Creighton. That's, yeah, Creighton. on the road on a Saturday night. That was a good yeah. one. Their defense uh, – so, basically, the coaches took the women's basketball team and said, you got to all steal the ball like this girl doing. Emily Ryan's her name. Uh, and now they're all stealing the ball like that. And that's, that's <laughs> the, the formula behind it. Uh, the Jackson State game I was at, it was – I was writing about it. It was very uh, – it wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> Can't Sounds imagine. Sounds like it was a pillow fight. <laughs> now, now, I will say this year's Jackson State game was better than last year because it was one of their only two wins. And I think with eight minutes to go, the game was tied. And Iowa State won 60 to 45. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's only there's only two guys on that Iowa State team this year that were on the roster last season. Yep. Um, and then the new coach, uh, he brought a guy back that transferred away to play for him at UNLV last year, and now he's back for his junior season at Iowa State. Um, and then he was an assistant from like 06 to what, Damon? 2017, uh, well, 2016? Yeah, 17, I think, is 16. And then he was with Prome for his first year. So whenever Steve was there that that first year, and then he went to South Dakota State. Yeah, he coached that Mike Dom kid at South Dakota State, if you remember him. How many race fans listening to this right now have no clue what we're talking about? A lot. Uh, maybe like 80% <laughs> of them. <laughs> it's fair, but it's fun. Yeah, no, I, that's why I saved it for the end. I, I wanted to get into it. And I will, if if you let me come on one of the post-game recaps, I will watch like the three Purdue games before that. I'll come on and talk talk with you. I, will make you I promise, love watching college basketball. I will make you a promise. If Purdue and Iowa State meet in the NCAA tournament, we will we'll do a Zoom, do Zoom meeting right. and we'll do a co-video. And uh, someone's going to get to celebrate and someone's going to end up with a lot of egg on their face. And, Screw and that. I'll, I'll just save up and buy I a like ticket. That. <laughs> yeah right i mean they look uh, hopefully they end up on opposite sides of the bracket and they could just meet in the final four for the title game and then you know everyone's happy but i <laughs> right, right. about the cyclones i didn't realize they were top 10 and if they came you know they said they were 0 and 18 last year yeah 0 and 18 in the big 12 2 and 22, 2 and 22 yeah 
That oh, is 19 if you want to throw in the uh, Kansas City, the Big 12 tournament. All right. So I'll check them out. I'll check them out. Awesome. Damon, you got uh, anything else? No, man. It's It's been a pleasure, Nick. It's been awesome to have you on and uh, certainly certainly a lot of fun and hoping hoping to catch up with you when you make make the rounds to Iowa, man. Yeah, absolutely. Connor, Damon, you guys do a good job with, uh, with the Always Race Day podcast. I enjoy listening to it. And uh, you guys are at any IndyCar races at the Iowa race. Hit me up. We'll uh, we'll meet up and uh, and you know I like uh, Jake Query, one of the guys I broadcast with, turned me on to the made right sandwiches that yes, they sir. have here in Iowa. And you know I'm a big boy. I could probably put about four of those suckers down. Yes, sir. So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, when we're out in Iowa. I may have to you know find the closest made right. So uh, hope to hope to see you guys soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on, Nate. We'll see you in Iowa in uh, July, July 23rd and 24th at the uh, Iowa Speedway, the IndyCar race. Get your tickets now because they're going to sell out. I guarantee it. Thanks, guys.